Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Interesting week of Pirates baseball, some ups, some downs, some wins, and even a loss while you're winning. I uh, set this up and put this in motion back when I was down in Bradenton. By chance, ran into uh, one of my favorite players from the 90s and early 2000s, the original Rock. Everybody thinks that Rock is Dwayne Johnson, but there's a different Rock here in Pittsburgh, the pride of Carrick High School. And a man that could probably win you a couple nights of trivia as to who hit the last home run at Three Rivers and who is tied for the MLB record for consecutive games without an air at third base. Keller commentator for AT&T Sportsnet, John Wayner. John, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Craig. Uh, good to be on with you, and I, and I appreciate the swag, I, the Yin's shirt and hat. Appreciate oh, that. Yeah, not a problem, man. We just saw you standing over there and told my buddy Taylor, I'm like, that's John Wayner standing over there. And I just kind of shouted your name and you trotted across the street, got the uh, the police to, they, they stopped the traffic there and you came over and hung out with us and definitely appreciate you uh, stopping by and definitely appreciate you jumping on here. But we have a, we have a lot to get into and, and I think we should probably just start out the show with you know, the big news that is on pretty much every Pirates fan's minds right now, the injury to O'Neill Cruz. And I just kind of wanted to get some like clarification on, you know, the type of play that evolved there and, and just the whole situation surrounding it. Well, first of all, I know a lot of folks think that, you know, maybe he shouldn't be trying to score on that play. Um, for one, Derek Shelton's been pretty aggressive sending runners from third on contact, um, regardless of out. I'm of the belief that anytime you have first and third, nobody out, you're going on contact from third on a ground ball. Uh, and, and the reason behind that is, you know, you had a, a firm ground ball with somebody, you're not breaking, you're going around the horn double play, and you're standing on third base. You've got to make them decide whether they're going to cut uh, cut off the run at home or they're going to go for two. That particular ball is different, though, because it wasn't hit very hard. It's not a double play ball, but the, the, the determination is done before that. I'm sure Derek Shelton told Mike Rebello over third base, hey, we're going on the ground. And so, you know, that way the, the player, there's no read there. You're just going to break as soon as you see the ball on the ground. You know, if it's up the middle, they're probably going two. Turns out it's a weak grounder to third. They're coming home. 
Um, in my opinion, what O'Neill Cruz did, you know, initially you see him on the line, maybe even a, a couple of feet inside the line. And, and, and my belief there is you're, you're, you're trying to block a throw or you're trying to get in the way of, of the throwing lane from the third baseman to the catcher. So I'm guessing he went a little bit inside. And you got to know that O'Neill Cruz is running hard trying to score. He doesn't know 100% for sure that the third baseman's coming home. So he doesn't know there's going to be a play at the plate until he sees the catcher react. Unfortunately, the catcher reacts about the time O'Neill Cruz gets into the dirt. So now O'Neill Cruz has to make the late decision to slide. If there's no throw to, to home, he's, he's probably going to score standing up. You know, uh, you know, I, of course you anticipate there being a play there, but again, he can't see behind him. So he's just reading the catcher. He sees the catcher go for the ball. I don't have any fault with the catcher going for the ball or blocking home because you're allowed to go for the ball. You can't just give the runner a lane without going after the ball. So the catcher reacts to the throw. It takes the catcher into the running lane in front of home plate. O'Neill Cruz sees the catcher move for the throw. He tries to get down. Obviously, he slides late. He slides, slides awkwardly. He breaks his ankle. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we all know Carlos Santana reacted. He reacted to the catcher yelling something at Cruz for coming in late and hard. Well, I think that's why Cruz goes in late and hard because, again, he's trying to read the catcher as to what to do there. Um, he doesn't have enough time to go outside and you know and slide outside the plate and try to reach back with his hand like I've read. Um, the catcher's reacting, as all catchers do nowadays. If you slide in late and hard, they get worked up, especially if they make the catch of the out. They're all excited. He barks at Cruz. I, think, I, I don't think he knew Cruz was hurt. He just reacted to the play, what happened in that instant. Um, and it's an unfortunate thing. I, I can't fault anybody. It's just a, it's a baseball play that just went awry for the Pirates, unfortunately. And Pirate fans, O'Neill Cruz, um, you know, a lot happened in that, you know, two seconds of a play. And unfortunately, it looks like we're going to be without O'Neill Cruz for at least two, two and a half months, maybe three. Yeah, and that's where, like, I mean, we've seen the replay probably about 20 times and you see it broken down, you know, almost frame by frame as opposed to, you know, what happened in real time, which is a a bang-bang play and decisions having to be made, like, in an instant. I mean, within milliseconds of, you know, he, him seeing. And the other part is that, you know, Ono Cruz is he's six foot seven, so the, the throw is coming in kind of high, and he has to kind of come up and get it and and go down with it just because you know he's in the lane and he's six foot seven. Yeah, it's like I said, it's there's not a lot a catcher can do differently there. I mean, he's catching the ball, you know, he he sees it. The play's in front of him. Unlike O'Neill Cruz, O'Neill Cruz isn't looking behind him. He sees the play. He sees the third baseman charging coming home. He's reading a throw trying to make a catch and a tag. Obviously, Cruz was right there as he made the catch, put down the tag. Um, you know, it, 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 like I said, there, there's not a whole lot that you could do differently there if you're the catcher uh, other than bark at the runner who's laying there with a broken ankle. Yeah, and he just, you know, was frustrated, thinking he could have gotten injured as well. But the other part of that whole situation is, you know, the, the Carlos, Carlos Santana – you know, sticking up for his player. And I think that goes more towards 
what's been building in this clubhouse that we've seen, you know, from spring training and into this season, which is, you know, everybody coming together and kind of gelling and, you know, respecting one another and, and wanting to play well. So I, I know that's the, the reaction of a Carlos Santana. If somebody sees their player getting yelled at, you know, what's his initial reaction going to be? It's going to be to yell back. And even if O'Neill Cruz doesn't get hurt, you're going to react. And that's where I think people got to understand. I mean, you're in a game and, and, and these guys, Carlos Santana, Andrew McCutcheon, Connor, Joe, Rich Hill, these veterans that the Pirates have brought in, um, they're invaluable on and off the field. And, and when you're playing a game, you know, you're with a bunch of teammates that you're spending a lot of time together with and, and, and you're like brothers and there's a bond there. And so even if O'Neill Cruz went in standing and, and or, or whatever it doesn't matter if the catcher or any player pitcher catcher anybody starts yelling at the player hurt or not hurt there's going to be a reaction from the teammates at least there should be and and so of course carlos santana i mean he's not going to let anybody or, or, or nobody should let any player start barking at one of your teammates and you got to defend the teammate and obviously carlos santana did um and and it, it obviously because cruz was laying there hurt yeah there's more emotion there because you know what are you doing yelling at my player who's down there with a broken ankle but again even if he wasn't hurt you're going to react and stick up for o'neill cruz right there and and that's part of the game too and that's something you like to see you know as a fan as a teammate um you know, you, 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 you can play a pickup basketball game. If somebody starts barking at your teammate, you're probably going to defend your teammate. And that's that's the way sports has always been. So, um, you know, uh, thankfully, there wasn't any ejections and it didn't inflame into a big brawl or anything ugly like that. You know, but, you know, Carlos Santana showed his teammate and his city is the team he's playing for now that he's going to stick up for his teammates and hopefully that carries over because you should always uh, stick up for your for your teammates yeah and it's it's just that raw emotion that, that exists within sports and for me like the first thing I thought of is that in some ways here I I jinxed O'Neill Cruz so I'm going to apologize to all of the Pirates fans out there because ever since uh, Kevin Newman was traded I had talked about you know, God forbid if O'Neill Cruz gets injured or if he would start to, you know, struggle severely defensively at the shortstop position, you know, who would fill in for him after that? And now we're going to have to really make that decision here. Um, there are some, you know, veterans within the system, uh, but there's also some guys that have, you know, not experienced – <laughs> great uh, success at the majors at the shortstop positions, say a, you know, a Rodolfo Castro. We haven't seen G1 Bay there. Uh, Tucapita Marcano. I mean, there's, there's a, a decent number of guys. How do you see them, you know, possibly, you know, filling this hole? Um, my guess based on what we've seen, and especially in yesterday's game, um, Castro went to short, Bay went to second. That tells me that they're more com comfortable with Castro at, uh, at shortstop and Bay at second. I haven't seen much of Bay at, at, at short, nor have I seen a lot of Castro. But Castro probably got more innings there in spring training. And I think he's done okay. And, um, 
you know, when, whoever you have over there, and there are some veteran options. I know they brought up Matthias. I, I'm not positive that he could play much short. I know Chris Owings, he looked good defensively, but you know they, they kept him at AAA. Uh, you might have to go back to maybe Piguero, um, who should still be a top prospect. He's still real young, but they obviously think he needs work to be done. That's why he's in Altoona. Um, and so he, you know, but you never know. Somebody's getting an opportunity now, and 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 it could be Castro. And and if Castro uh, can handle the position defensively, I think they'll be comfortable with him there. I mean, if 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 if, if he struggles offensively, I don't know how long that leash will be. But they're going to want somebody first and foremost to be able to catch the ball and make the routine plays. Um, I think they feel that Castro can do that. If he struggles severely. Um, offensively or defensively well then they're gonna have to go to somebody else they'll have to try whether it be bay or owings or Pagero or matthias who knows but um you know they might have to go in another direction there but i you know it, it, it really stinks because you you lost an all-star caliber type guy um cruz i think has grown leaps and bounds as a shortstop i've always liked his footwork the throwing problem it looked like it was gone uh, i think he's only made one one bad throw that i've seen throughout spring and the beginning of this year and so um but somebody else gets an opportunity unfortunately in baseball there there's in all sports there's injuries and so somebody else gets an opportunity and so uh, i don't want to call it a tryout but whether it's castro today or bay today or whomever it is getting most of the reps at short you know if, if he handles himself well enough defensively and, and and he can keep his head above water uh, offensively you'll take that um, but if he struggled defensively, then I think somebody else will be out there because I think they're going to be more worried about catching the ball and, and, and making the routine plays uh, more than the bat at this point. Yeah, and I, I always go back to, you know, the coaching decisions that were made, uh, or I guess it said co- coaching assignments that were made uh, this past offseason, bringing up Mendy Lopez to help out as an infield coordinator to help Cruz at shortstop. You know, Cruz and Castro, they, they always like their little double play tandem there. They, they had a good relationship there. So I think I, a lot of this, I mean, it's going to fall on the players, obviously. But I, I think that, that Mendy Lopez is, is going to be earning his paycheck maybe more than he was, um, you know, over the past few weeks. Well, you know, coaching obviously is an important part of any sport. And, and you know, you, you appreciate coaches that can help guys at, at any level. And But when you get to the major league level, you know, you're at the major league level for a reason because you've hit well enough and fielded well enough and did well enough to play at the major league level. So if you can play at the major league level, I mean, sure, you might need some help or some tips along the way by a coach, but, you know, that part, I think, is a little, it could be overrated as far as how much a coach is going to make a player. When you get to that, that guy, most of these players get to this level um, because of their talents and because of their performance, not because of the coaching, although coaching has helped them along the way. And so, yeah, Donnie Kelly, Mendy Lopez, they work with the infielders. Um, They've worked with them. Um, all spring they work with them every day um, even when they're not taking batting practice I can see Mendy Lopez out there hitting ground balls to guys and so yeah that's all part of it but it's going to be on the player um, to be able to perform and, and if there are problems and yeah there's a coach there to fix it and so um, 
I've always felt that coaches sometimes take uh, too much blame and, 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 you know, they rarely get credit. They work very hard. They <laughs> yeah, should get yeah. some credit, but um, they'll take blame sometimes for if a guy's not hitting or a guy's not pitching. Um, but when a, a guy hits well or, or pitches well, you never say, oh, wow, what a great job the hitting coach did. You know, I, I haven't heard that once about Andy Haynes, but Andy Haynes works with these guys all the time. Nobody said, oh, Reynolds off to a great start. Way to go, Andy. Um but when Reynolds is struggling or when Yelich struggled in Milwaukee, Andy Haynes was the guy that you know, got some blame. So, um, But it, it's on the player. It really is. I think the player has to prove whether he can play at this level, whether you're a pitcher, uh, a hitter, or a defender. Um, you have to prove that you can handle uh, the speed of the game, uh, the routine outs, um, you know, every, every aspect you got to prove that you, you can handle. But you are going to learn things from um, your coaches. You're going to learn some from veteran players, like we mentioned earlier. Um, but, but, it, but it's on you to be able to, you know, take your experiences, learn from the things, um, whether they're failures or successes, and, and, and keep improving your game. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Going to the, the coaching aspect, uh, some people may not know this, uh, you were the hitting coach for the Altoona Curve uh, from 2002 uh, to 2004. And my thing is, is that a lot of people are jumping to these, these small sample sizes. A, a Jack Sawinski, only 20 plate appearances, you know, only has one hit, striking out 30% of the time, is walking 20% of the time. Uh, another guy you mentioned in a Rodolfo Castro, only 19 plate appearances, striking out 36.5% of the time, you know, not hitting for the ton of power that we saw from him. And I guess, I mean, not like to put you on the spot here, but like how long do, does like a coach usually wait or a manager or whoever it would be like to, to let these guys like work out of like these little slumps they've been having that, you know, started in spring training and are, you know, have begun the year kind of not picking things back up. Well, you run them out there, you know, and you, 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 for one, you're always going to try to throw your best lineup out there. And, um, you know, it's, it's not always going to be the same guy every day. And, and, and at times guys struggle and some guys are hot. And, you know, when guys struggle, you know, you might not see them in the lineup every day. And so they might not play as much. But you're hoping that they're going to get their work in. And then when they get back in the lineup, you're looking for improvement. Um 
in, in the case of Jackson Winsky, did not look good in spring training, did not look good for the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, and if that snowballs, then, you know, I, I don't know how long the, the lease is going to be. What is it? Three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. Uh, you, you don't know, but it, 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 if it doesn't snowball and you start seeing, um, improvements in which I believe Derek Shelton, Andy Haynes, uh, I, I know I saw a different Jackson Winsky yesterday than I, than I've seen probably the, the first six weeks of sp- spring training in the season. And, and and to me, he was struggling getting to a fastball. And when you struggle to get to a fastball, they're gonna they're gonna expose it. And then you know, then you're gonna start cheating as a hitter, which means starting your swing early. And then you might start chasing pitches out of the zone. Um, yesterday, the sack fly, a great adjustment he made. He t- he took a fastball. It was either 96 or 97 that was up, um, possibly out of the zone, borderline strike up and away, and he hit a ball to the wall in, in center field for the sack fly, the only RBI. Later in the game, he did it again. once again. He turned around velocity and hit a hard line drive into right center. So to me, you see those improvements in his at bats yesterday, to where okay, you know, uh, he, he's not swinging through the fastball, he's not getting beat with the fastball, and so um, you're more comfortable with going with Jackson Winsky because uh, when, when hitters are on the fastball, the thing the game slows down for you a little bit, and you're able to adjust, and you're, you recognize breaking pitches, off-speed pitches, and you're less likely to chase out of the zone. So. Um, that was just a for me a great example of why you show a little bit of patience to see if the things these guys are working on behind the scenes show up during game action and that did for Jack Sawinski. Um Castro as well I thought started uh, hitting the ball with a little more authority over the weekend and um and 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 had some good at bats I think he went 3-2 yesterday all three of his at bats and um you know, he chased a chased a three-two pitch out of his own uh, for strike three. I, I, um, I, I know he walked once, and uh, I forget what happened the other time. I think he might have struck out again. But um, you're you're seeing a little more patience from Castro, not the chase. And and when uh, he hit the long single, I don't know if that was that was a couple of days ago. I think off the top of the wall or long double off the top of the wall the other day. And again, that, that that those are signs that maybe they're turning the corner a little bit as far as feeling more comfortable with the plate and they can become more productive. And so, um, yeah, but, but for some, if you don't make those adjustments and you don't see improvement at the plate, that's where, okay, maybe we give them, you know, a handful more starts. And if it continues to spiral, then we got to bring somebody else. But, you know, in the cases cases of uh, Castro and Sawinski, I've seen some signs of improvement. And so you're going to show some more patience. Yeah. And I've, I, I, the only reason I bring up those two guys for the most part is that, you know, fans are going to be looking for, you know, where does the, the production and power that's going to be missed from O'Neill Cruz kind of come from. And those guys, both of those guys have unlimited power. I mean, we've seen it displayed uh, over these past few seasons here that, you know, if, if Jack Sawinski gets hot, I mean, he's putting, we've seen like three over, you know, the Clemente wall with ease. So, I mean, we know that that's in there and, with the change in, you know, the batting stance, making adjustments, whatever it would be. But the other part I'm kind of like looking at just a little bit is protection in the lineup. Um, and for those guys, I look at them and they're usually put like at the, you know, six, seven, 
maybe <laughs> towards the back of the lineup. And I've seen at times Derek Shelton use the lineup to kind of get players going. Yeah, and so you're always going to try to look at matchups and, and, and try to throw the best guys out there against that day's pitcher. And, and you know, protection of the lineup is important, especially if you have a guy like Brian Reynolds that's been on fire for the last week, week and a half. Um, you got McCutcheon behind him. So you feel pretty good about McCutcheon being behind him because if they don't pitch to Reynolds and then McCutcheon's uh, swinging the bat well. And then the same goes with Santana. You know, with McCutcheon's on base, Santana starts heating up. Now he starts uh, doing some damage. And so, um, you know, you're always going to have holes in your lineup. It's rare to see all nine guys swinging the bat well. And so there will be matchups that, you know, opposing managers will try to, to get into. Um, uh, fortunately, we don't see too many intentional walks anymore, but we do see pitchers pitch around some hitters that they don't want them to be, that, that they don't want to beat you. So, um, you know, but you're 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 just going to construct your lineup the best you can to get to, to try to throw the best lineup up there to create some runs. The power part of that, you know, um, when you look at O'Neill Cruz, um, you know, he hasn't been hot yet, which is crazy because he's still doing a good job getting on base, drawing his walks, stealing some bases, getting his hits here and there. Um, and we still have won, what, five of the last six games. And so you don't need a lineup full of power, especially the way the Pirates have been playing. We've seen the stolen base. We see some bunts. We see some, um, you know, small ball going on. And, and the offense has been clicking a little bit. And so you know, you're going to run guys out there. Sure, you want Rigolfo Castro to hit the ball at the ballpark now and again and Sawinski and, and, and the rest of the guys. And, and that's going to come over time. Usually guys have to be you know, pretty locked in before they do that. But, um, you know, but with, with, with Shelton, we've seen the, the lineup changes almost every day. It's in Jigba yesterday. He comes up with the big triple. Um, you know, sometimes it's Castro or it's Bay or, or whomever. Um, so there has been some mixing and matching. Um, but you know, if the guys keep swinging and playing the way they have the last week, then you know you might be able you, you you might be able to get through this without O'Neill Cruz. Of course, you like to see some guys step up, and hit some balls out of the ballpark. But in the meantime, you know you just run out that best lineup you think that you have against that day's pitcher, and 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 you know and hope to score more than they do. Yeah, and in my head, I was almost thinking that not that it puts more pressure on the Pirates pitching staff, but it it kind of maybe like. It will emphasize the need to, you know, keep the other team off the bases and keep the the scores down as opposed to, you know, us continuing to try to run up the score. Yeah, it's great when you score, you know, 13 runs one game and, and you know, put up a bunch on, you know, Boston and whatever. But it's also nice when you see, like, a guy like Johan Oviedo shove like he did yesterday and win, you know, one of those close 1-0 games. And, and that's what good baseball teams can do. You know, you can go out and win a one nothing game. Um, you know, it, it, especially the day after you you give up a bunch of runs, and and then we've seen a couple games where you know uh, we've given up some runs, but yet we've outscored the opposition as well. And so, um, I, I think with without having Cruz in there, I, you know, I, I really do think that the first thing that they're going to uh, look at is 
the defense. They they want they want guys to be able to catch the ball. So when you do get a routine out, it's an out. You don't want to be giving the other team four outs. And so offensively, they're going to continue to try to create matchups to to to, to, to maximize their scoring. Um, and and it's going to hurt a little bit, obviously, with Cruz. Cruz is a dynamic player. Like I said, he hadn't got hot yet. We still won games. So um, for me, you know, they'll they'll first look for defense. Um, and then they'll, they'll go from there, whether they need, you know, a better defender or if they need more offense from that position. And it, but, um, you know, the pitchers shouldn't feel any pressure um, unless they start getting ground balls and the plays aren't made behind them. Then, and then they might feel like, oh, you know, I need strikeout. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> and then that doesn't normally happen, but, I mean, it could happen. And so, um you know, they're, they're, like I said, they'll they'll throw who they think is best out there. Um, they'll continue to construct the lineup to where they feel that they can maximize run production and and go from there. Yeah, and our Pirates off to a, a nice six and three start here, and I think a lot of people are going to react to you know the schedule that's coming up. We got you know the defending World Series champions and the Houston Astros, and then taking that that long trip to to St. Louis, which is not kind to our pirates very often uh hopefully they will play better since i'll be there for those three games but i don't know john that that's a tough schedule coming up well i thought it was tough going into boston where the pirates had won once in their history and regular season play and and the white Sox came in as one of the best offenses and you win two out of three that's the greatest thing about baseball is is you know any given day you, you can beat anybody. The Pirates beat the Dodgers five of six last year on their way to 100 losses. It's just one of those things where you can't really look ahead and, and worry about you know what the schedule looks like and you know the defending champs or the, the you know defending world champs, defending um, the, the Cardinals who seem to be always good. Because um, any given day you can go out there and win. And I know that's like a you know cliche. Oh, we worry about today or blah 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 blah. But um, that's the way the game is. You, you outplay them that day. It doesn't matter how many wins or losses you, you, you have, whether it's April or September. You know, you try to go out and win that day. And, and uh, you know, and, and obviously pitching has a lot to do with it. And, you know, if you pitch well, which the Pirates have done, and it was great to see Oviedo do what he did, you get deeper into ball games. You rest your bullpen. Your bullpen is, you know, you, you got all your horses lined up in case you do have a lead like we did yesterday. You know, I always think it starts with starting pitching and being able to go deeper in ball games to where, you know, Derek Shelton has all, all his options out of that bullpen. Offensively, you'll see teams get hot where everybody's swinging the bat well. You'll see times where the lineup is cold and, and, and you can't, find a way to score a run or enough runs at least and so um but yeah it, 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 you know you, you might get a, an ace on a bad day you might get a, a fifth starter on a good day you never know what you're getting each and every day obviously um, you might get out out talented like you, you look at a series against the defending world champs and well we probably don't have as much talent as them that doesn't mean you can't beat them um and it's the same with the cardinals it doesn't mean you can't beat them but you just you know you go out there to try to win today's game and then you worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and and um, you know crazy things happen in this sport on a day-to-day basis, and and I think that's how you know Major League Baseball players and coaching staffs that's how, that's how they look at a season. You know, you're sure you got 162 games, but you can only worry about today. 
Yeah, you can't look beyond that. And, I mean, no matter what, it's been exciting in Pittsburgh so far. Hopefully continues to be exciting. Uh, everybody, you know, we, we listen to Rock. We listen to Brock. We listen to, 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 uh, to Brown. We listen to Caps and KY and everything. And, and it's a game that we love. And, John, you know what? This has been a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to come on our little podcast here. Anytime, Craig, man, a good times. And uh, I'm always available to talk a little pirate baseball, you know, and it's a lot easier to talk about when they're winning. <laughs> Not always fun when they're losing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when they're winning, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always uh, something. I mean, it's my team. I grew up watching and loving this team. And so, uh, you know, to be able to work for this club so long, I mean, I, I feel blessed. And so I'll always, um, I'll always uh, offer up my time to, to talk a little bucko baseball. Well, I appreciate it, John. And, and you have a good one. And uh, let's go, Bucks. Thanks, Craig. They change, they say one thing but this